Good morning. We are the last week, sex, drugs, and violence. Um, we're going to talk about sex today. So if you're uh, here for the first time, welcome. <laughs> um, you know what they call sex in the ancient Greeks? The ancient Greeks, they call sex the madness of the gods. Did you guys know that? Sex is called the madness of the gods. It feels a little bit like madness, right? When I, when I sit down to write, uh, write this, I was like, man, this is, uh, uh, you know, this is filled with just, just different dichotomies and spectrums. I mean, um, I think there, there, there's nothing that, that, that brings more controversy in the church than the idea of sex uh, or sex itself. Um, you know, uh, there's so many passages in Scripture where the Bible clearly says, right? But then when it comes to sex, the Bible doesn't clearly say all that well. You have Jesus saying, hey, I want you to be a eunuch for the sake of the kingdom. I don't see many of us running out to be eunuchs. Um, I see, you know, Paul saying, hey, if you burn with lust, go ahead and get married. And then I see these other passages that say, like, stay away from sexual immorality in a bunch of different contexts. And so it's, it's not as clear as we think it should be or can be when it comes to talking about sex. You know, sex is incredibly cultural, all right, in America, it's no secret. We come from a pretty puritanical place, okay? So sex is very cultural in the way we look at it, the way we look at humanity and human bodies. Uh, I have a pastor friend of mine, this guy from Tennessee, who said he went to Nigeria, and he went to this village, and he, um, he was asked to pray with the matriarch of the village. So he goes to the matriarch's house, and she comes to the door, and she's topless. And so my friend's like, Ben Grace sheltered, Right. And she's topless, and she's like, oh, pastor, you're here to pray with me. And he says, yeah, and he's like, you know, yeah. And, and uh, she says to her daughter, she says, hey, quick, go get my covering. And the daughter runs and quickly goes and gets the covering, and the, and the matriarch puts it on her head and says, I'm ready to pray. <laughs> like, super cultural, right? The way we treat sexuality is a very cultural thing, all right? Um, uh, uh, and the church, like I said, has made it a difficult topic to discuss. The friar Richard Rohr says that the most damage that American Christianity has done is, is uh, bringing up or heightening sexual sin over other sins. So we're talking about something that's really difficult, and when you sit down to think about it, it does feel a little bit like the madness of the gods. Okay, It feels a little bit hard to talk about. Uh, um, but Today, I'm going to attempt to do this. I'm going to attempt to talk a little bit about sex and what sex looks like in a context that brings flourishing, okay? Because I do believe that sex can bring flourishing. I think it can bring the peace that God intends. I think it brings the love that God intends, the grace that God intends. So I'm going to do my best to talk about that today. So here's what I can promise you, okay? I can promise you that as a white married man, I am not going to get this right, okay? I can promise you that. All right, I promise you that my experience will be different from your experience, okay? As a white married man, I promise you that I'm not going to have the same challenges that some of you have had. I promise you that I'm not going to be able to speak to everyone's life here, but here's what I do think I can do. I think I can show us what flourishing looks like when it comes to sex in the kingdom of God, okay? So we can talk more about this afterwards. Like I say at every service, let this just be the beginning, okay? Well, let this be the beginning, and we can continue these conversations uh, in our small groups and everywhere else, uh, and, and we'll see what God has in store for us. All right, so that being said, let's talk about the way sex is used in Scripture. And what I want to do when I look at, at, at um, uh, sex in Scripture is I want to create two spectrums for us. Okay, and I got these spectrums uh, from a book called Sex God by Rob Bell. I suggest that you all go out and read it, and being serious. Um, 
there are two spectrums that he has. One spectrum is called the animal uh, spectrum, and the other spectrum is called the angel spectrum. And these are both very good things, okay? The animal side and the angel side are very good things because they come straight out of creation. So I'm going to read for you about how God created animals in creation. It's this beautiful poetry that we get in Genesis. It says, God spoke, earth, generate life. And every sort of kind, cattle and reptiles and wild animals, all kinds, there it was. Wild animals of every kind, cattle of all kinds, reptiles, birds, God saw that it was good. Right? So you have the goodness of what God is creating. God creates animals. And then throughout Scripture, okay, all the way through, we have this angelic side. And Scripture tells us that angels are slightly above humans and that angels are, are, were created before humans as well. Okay, so they are created by God to do different things, to be a voice of God in some cases. They help perform miracles. That's what Scripture tells us. Uh, they intervene at certain times, Scripture tells us. So angels have this, this, this great uh, point in bringing about flourishing as well. So you have animals and you have angels. And then in the middle, you have us. And so... I'll say this, we are favored above animals and angels. I think we knew the animal piece, but we're favored above angels too. Why? Why is that? I'm going to read scripture again. It's Genesis 1.27. It says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So, unlike animals and unlike angels, we have the privilege of being created in God's own image. We have that. That means that we uh, are able. That means that we are the ones um, that are going to bring the flourishing, the peace, the grace that God intends. If you were here last week, I talked about God being on this trajectory towards peace, right? And towards this trajectory towards love. And, and so that's what we get to be a part of. We get to move outside of chaos and we get to move towards the peace that God intends for our lives and we get to do it through sex. This is true. All right. But, but in some cases... In some cases, we move back towards either end of the spectrum. We move back towards the animal side of the spectrum, or we move towards the angelic side of the spectrum, away from this ark, away from this peace that God intends, and back towards chaos to some extent. I mean, animals. Animals, I mean, they, they sleep, they eat, they poop, they have sex, they do all the things that we do. We do those things too, but we have one thing, right? We have a consciousness. I'm, I'm not, like... This is not news to us, right? We have, I mean, you've not heard a horse go through a midlife crisis before, right? <laughs> you've never heard a cow say, I wish you would use me for something more than my body, right? We've never heard that before. You've never heard llamas wearing pajamas down by the bay. That's for parents. That one's for parents. Parents know what I'm talking about. All right, anyway. We know. So we, we have a higher consciousness than, than animals, right? We're, we're in this favored spot. And yet, and yet, like I said... I think there are times we move back to an animal side of the spectrum. Well, what does that look like or feel like? I think we know how this looks and feels. And the best example I can give you as to how this looks or feels is, um, you don't have to raise your hand, but, but how many of you have, like, you gone on, like, spring break or you went on that trip or you had that, that night or whatever and your friend comes to you the next day and they're like, how was that trip or how was the spring break or how was that night? And this is what you do, you go... You don't, and then somebody says, well, what was it like? And you go, crazy. And that's all you do because it's, it was a little debauched, right? You, you went to some places you didn't think you were going to go. You did some things you didn't think you were going to do. This is sort of going back to this animalistic side. This is going back towards chaos a little bit. And I think one of the ways that we see this in sex often 
is we see it in the way that people treat abstinence, okay? Especially here in the city. Whenever there's somebody who wants to teach on abstinence, our city, uh, some of us are big on saying, no, don't teach on it. It doesn't work. Abstinence doesn't work. The truth is we're human beings, we're, we're evolutionary species, we're made to procreate, and because we're made to procreate, we can't stop people from having sex when they want to have sex. That's just the way it is. And so we almost mock in some ways the idea of abstinence or the idea that we could withhold sex or stop sex from happening, right? Like we mock that, especially in this city. If we are single in this city, then there is a sense in which we are going to have sex no matter what is the expectation when we date. I, I dated in this city, I was single in this city, I remember remember what that felt like, albeit it was a long time ago. But anyway, um, that's something that's happening, right? That's something that we have to deal with. So what do we do with it? What do we do with this? I think sometimes what we do with it is we treat our sex and our sexuality like animals. We indulge in it whenever it's necessary. It's, it's like eating dessert. It's like taking Tylenol. It's like going to Shake Shack. It's something like that, right? And it's good. Eating dessert is good. Shake Shack is good. Taking Tylenol is good for us. But we do it with that same kind of feeling. I'm just an animal. I'm just a human. I can't stop but procreate, so I am going to have sex. That's just the case. And so, like I said, it's not a bad thing. God has made us for that. But what if... What if you had this friend and your friend loved Shake Shack, right? And now your friend's going to Shake Shack every single day. And you say to your friend, friend, I need to talk to you for a minute. You're going to Shake Shack every day. You put on a lot of weight, you know? And then you would say, like, you sweat when you talk. Like, you know, <laughs> like, that's what you would say. And you would even say, like, even right now, you're sitting like this. <sighs> like, it's not good for you. Like, it's not, it's not great for you. And so, yes, we do have urges. Yes, we have these animalistic ways. Yes, we have these tendencies. But the question I have to ask is if we are acquiescing to sex because it's an urge or because it's something to do or because it feels good, excuse me, because it feels good, then is it really bringing the flourishing that God intends? Is it really moving us out of chaos? Is it moving us towards a better humanity? That is the question I have to ask. Here's what um, Paul says about it. He's talking to a church uh, in, in a city called Corinth. And I love this city because it reminds me so much of New York. And Paul says to them, he says, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I won't be mastered by anything. You say food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. And in the, in the time of, of Corinth and the Corinthians, this food for the body, body for food was this saying. It was a way to say, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Same thing. Basically, like, your body needs food anyway. Might as well indulge to the umpteenth degree. And Paul's saying, you could. You could if you want to. But is it helping you to get better? Is it helping you to flourish? And what I don't think Paul's doing here is creating some black and white thing, like don't have sex don't do that, it's immoral. And I don't think I'm telling us that either. I'm not saying don't have sex, don't do that. Actually, are there, if you're a teenager, if you're in junior high, if you're in high school, don't have sex. You are dumb right now. And the truth is that you don't think so, but if you want to talk to me about it afterwards, feel free. Um, so don't do that. But for the rest of us, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. Um, I'm saying that, that, that there's a spectrum that stops us from growth and moves us back into chaos. And I think we can move forward on this line. We can do better on this line. And here's what I don't want us to do either. I don't want us to go to the opposite end of the spectrum. 
I don't want to go to this angelic end of the spectrum because remember, we are the favored ones. We are made in the image of God. Animals are not, but neither are angels, okay? We're the ones that are called to bring flourishing. We're the ones that are called to bring peace. We're the ones called to move along this trajectory, not angels. And so you have this angelic side where people stuff and, and, and they try to avoid and move around sexuality altogether and sex altogether. Do you guys remember this TV show on TLC? It was like people like that were married, but they had never touched each other. Have you seen that? I have this preview that's like etched in my mind of like this couple that gets married and then they try to kiss and it's the most awful thing I've ever seen in my life. It's terrible. And, and, and to me, you know, somebody was told that if in order to be pure, in order to be sinless, in order to be a right in God's eyes, that you shouldn't ever be vulnerable with somebody else, that you should never give to somebody else. They, they were told that physically to give to that other person before you were married is the wrong thing to do. And so now you have this, I, it's, it burned in my mind. Now you have like this terrible like thing where, where one couple, one person expects one thing and the other person expects the other thing and, and there's a union, they come together and there's shame. There's shame in it. I'm not supposed to do this. This is sinful. This is wrong. I think sometimes we can see this uh, in, in, uh, in the way maybe our parents talk to us about sex and sexuality. Uh, you don't have to raise your hand for this one, but how many uh, had parents who gave them this incredibly beneficial talk on sex? How many of you? Nice, Jamie. That's good to, see. That's good to hear. Talk to Jamie afterwards, everybody. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, I think it's rare. I think it's not common. I think it's one of these situations where, um, where most of the time uh, it's to be avoided, it's to be circumvented. One, uh, I heard one story about uh, a guy who said that his dad took him to a baseball game and tried to tell him about sex by using ticket stubs, okay? So go ahead, think about what that might be like or, or look like. Uh, but it's this, it's this avoidance. It's an avoidance of who we are. We are created as sexual beings. And there is flourishing that happens in sex, and there is great damage and pain that comes from someone telling us, don't have sex, it's evil, it's perverted, it's wrong. Wait till a certain day and a certain time. And then on that certain day and certain time, ding, it's fine. It doesn't work that way. Um, a pastor friend of mine said that somebody came into uh, this pastor's office and said, you know what? Um, I haven't ever had sex until I got married and, and I was told it was evil and I, told, I was told it wasn't right uh, I wore a purity ring, and, uh, and my, par- my p- partner, who I'm now married to, also wore a purity ring, and we, we had these. And, and now when we have sex, I gotta be honest, I hate it. It's awful, because every time I have sex, I feel ashamed. I feel like I'm shameful. I feel like I'm doing something wrong. And I don't know what to do about that. And my partner's great. My partner's loving. My partner understands, and, and we're working through it, but, but I'm hurt. That's what happens when we move to this angelic side of the spectrum, this angel side. Uh, Once again, Paul sends a letter via Timothy to a group, and they are called uh, the Ephesians. And the Ephesians are new Christians, and they're trying to figure out exactly what sex looks like as part of the way, as part of being Christ followers. And so uh, what Paul finds out is that these people in Ephesus, they say, don't get married at all, just don't do it. And what we have to understand about the first century is, is the way you were married was by having sex, okay? So you had sex, and that's what consummated a marriage, okay? And so they're saying, don't get married, so don't have sex. And Paul sends this letter through Timothy, and in the letter he says this. He says, listen, 
He says, for everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving because it's consecrated by the word of God and prayer. You get that? Everything that God created is good. This is not something to be avoided or circumvented. If, if being on the animalistic side is, is taking and taking and taking because we want to feel good, then I would say being on the angelic side is, is being too afraid to give away, too afraid to move, too afraid to be vulnerable, which leaves us in the middle, the tension, where everything else happens, living in the tension. We are created in the image of God. We are created to bring this peace that God intends. And both sides are chaos, which means we live in the tension. What does it mean for us to live in the tension? What does it mean? Uh, you know what the root of sex is? You know what sex's purest meaning is from the beginning of time, most linguists think? They think that sex means at the beginning, when it was first conceived as a word, uh, meant to be disconnected. It meant to be severed meant to be cut off. That's what sex meant. That's where this word comes from. Severed, disconnected, cut off. So, if we're bringing flourishing, right? If we're asked to move along this, this, this arc towards peace, if we're asked to do that, then I have to believe that sex is reconnecting. I have to believe that sex is, is, is repairing what was cut off. I have to believe that, that sex is, is bringing uh, unity again instead of, of, of severing something, of bringing something that's, that's broken apart. I have to believe that sex connects us back to ourselves, to others, and to God. That's what I have to believe that sex is. If we're creating flourishing, that's what it is. So it's not Shake Shack. Okay? It's not the sum of our feelings. It's not to be avoided. It's not angelic. It's not animalistic. It's the way that we reconnect to God. It's a way that we reconnect to others. It's a way we reconnect to ourselves. What does that mean? What do we do with that? Well, I think we have to look back at Genesis. I think we look back at creation, the way we were made in God's image. We look back at creation, we see Genesis 2.26, and it's this beautiful little verse. It's this beautiful little verse that comes, and it comes uh, um, after God has created everything, and it's really cool, and all it says simply is this. It says, Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. You know what one of the hardest things to do is? is to be naked in front of somebody else. It's really hard. Maybe some of you are like, not for me. For me. Um, and I'm not talking about like, oh, I had a couple of drinks and went skinny dipping in a pool naked. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like truly naked. Like truly to, to where like somebody sees all your faults and they see uh, everything about you and you're exposed and there's nothing you could do. There's no way you can cover up yourself. There's no way you can hide. There's no way that, that people can't see your insecurities and there's no way they can't see your doubts. There's no way they can't see the struggles that you're having, but you're there and you're exposed and you're naked. It's one of the hardest things to do. And God's saying, when you're able to do that with somebody else, that brings flourishing. When you're able to do that with somebody else, that brings peace. When you're able to do that with somebody else, when you're able to be naked with somebody else and have it be the most painful experience and you're fully exposed and they can see your dreams, your doubts, your fears, your struggles, the good, the bad, the in-between, both physically, mentally, emotionally, and all the rest, and that other person accepts you, that brings flourishing. 
That is being unashamed. That's what God intends through sex. So, if that's the case, then, then what are we to make of that? The truth of the matter is it's really, really easy to take off our clothes. It's an easy thing to do. It's a really easy thing to take off our clothes. It's a really easy thing for us to be naked. It's a really easy thing for us to have sex. That's true. But let me ask you, are you naked? I mean, like, really naked. Are you naked to the point where you are giving yourself away, where you are exposed, where you're allowing someone else to see all your thoughts and your fears and your anxieties and everything else? And is that person naked? And I mean, like, really, really naked to where you can see their thoughts and anxieties and dreams and hopes and everything, and are you together really naked? And by that I mean, are you unashamed? Are you unashamed? Some of us right now are sitting here going, you know what, I I did try to do that. I did try to give myself to somebody else. I did expose myself to someone else. All of me, I was incredibly vulnerable. I wanted that to bring flourishing. And you know what, that person rejected me. And I feel a ton of shame because of it. I think there are some of us here today who are going, you know what? Uh, I've lived on the animal side for a very long time. And honestly, this feels good. And I don't see any consequence. I don't know, you know, I don't see anything going on. But there's others of us who say, yeah, I've been living on this animal side for the whole time. And and the truth is every time I'm with somebody or, you know, I, I spend the night with somebody, I do wake up feeling like I didn't contribute to humanity. I do feel shame. I think there's others of us who have lived on this angelic side for so long that we're sitting there and we're going, yeah, maybe I have sex now, but I, I feel so guilty. I hate it. It's terrible. I feel shame because of it. And let me real quick say this. Your shame, the way you feel, the shame you have with sexuality, that shame is a lie. Your shame is a lie. There's a story that was told, and I think most of you know it. It's a story of a woman caught in adultery in the book of John. And so this woman's caught in adultery and these Pharisees bring this woman to Jesus. But you gotta understand, in in Hebrew times, if you were caught in adultery, it means that you genuinely had to be caught in adultery. Like, so that means they caught her in the act, okay? And so that means she's not some woman who they just bring to Jesus. It means they're dragging this naked, screaming woman who's being dragged down the street. So she's probably got like cuts. She's probably marked up. She's probably, probably crying and she's dirty and she's exposed and she's naked, right? She's naked, And they say, Jesus, we caught this woman in adultery. We caught her. Um, Law says we got to kill her. What do you say? Jesus stops and he thinks and he writes in the dirt because he knows they're trying to trick him. This woman's crying and she's cut up. She's probably bleeding at this point stuff. And he says, uh, which one of you have lived in the tension? Which one of you have not been animals? Which one of you have have not been angels? Which one of you have been perfectly vulnerable and perfect love with somebody else in full acceptance? Which one of you? Because I want you to pick up that stone and I want you to throw it at her. And nobody does. Everybody walks away from the oldest to the youngest. The oldest, no. They're like, this sex thing is so hard. Let's just get out of here. The youngest are still trying to hold on to something. And then Jesus goes over to this woman who's naked. She's naked, exposed. She says, is anybody here to condemn you? And she she says, no. Jesus says, then I don't condemn you either. Because the truth is, 
This is the beauty of Jesus Christ. The truth is that through Jesus Christ, through this death and resurrection, there's no condemnation. So whatever happened at three in the morning last night, or we might have been naked in some other way, whatever happened there, that doesn't matter anymore. There's no more shame than that. We have a chance to bring flourishing. The guilt you feel over your sex or sexuality, it doesn't matter. There is a chance to bring peace and love. There's a chance to move out of chaos still for you. The, the, the feeling you have living on one side of the spectrum or the other, that shame, it does not matter any longer. It doesn't matter at all because you have a chance to bring uh, humanity to a place where, where there's the perfect peace that God intends. You have the chance to do that. Your shame is a lie. And it, Jesus doesn't stop there, though. If Jesus stopped there, it'd be like the, like the hippie Jesus that we all love. The one that I love, the one that's like, everything's good. Because he doesn't stop there. What does he say to the woman? He says, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. He says, hey, listen, uh, you're not condemned by me, and you have a chance to bring flourishing, but your promiscuity, that's not helping anybody. Is it helping you right now? Is your promiscuity making that other person that you were sleeping with, is that making them better? Is it making that person's family better? Is your promiscuity making humanity better, or is it bringing you back into the chaos Go and sin no more. Try doing this again where you're truly naked. Where you're naked with somebody else and you're unashamed. And here's what I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you today uh, that, that the only time I feel like I have been uh, fully accepted and fully unashamed and fully naked is in the context of monogamy. That's it. I'm gonna say that today. I'm gonna take this a step further, okay? The only time, and I've been on both sides. I I grew up on the angelic side and then I moved to New York and I became the animalistic side very quickly. And I can tell you the only time I felt naked and unashamed is in my own marriage. It's in that, it's in monogamy. So this truly is tense. It truly is a struggle, especially in this city everything is opposite, where everything feels like uh, it's countercultural, where we have to go against the grain. It's difficult. And so what do I want you to do today? What do I want you to do? Whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're in a relationship, here's what I want you to do today, okay? Next time that, that you are ready for intimacy, next time I want you to ask this question, am I willing to be naked? That's a weird question to ask, right? Am I willing to be naked? With my, with my spouse, who I've been married to for 20 years, am I willing to be truly naked? I'm willing to expose every part of myself to my spouse at 20 years, or is there some things we need to work on in order to bring flourishing? To that person I, I just met tonight and I decided to go home, am I willing, am I truly willing to be naked with that person? Am I truly willing to expose my entire self, my whole self to that person, everything? And if that's the case, if, if that's not the case, is that something that I should do? to that relationship we're in and we're ready to take the next step, am I truly willing to be naked? Not just take off your clothes naked, naked, exposed in every way and unashamed. And if not, is that really bringing the flourishing that God intends for this place? Sex is the madness of the gods. It's tense. It's difficult. And here's what I think. I think we are in a favored position to move out of chaos and into beauty. We're in a favored position to move out of chaos and into peace, out of chaos and into love, out of chaos and into grace, out of chaos and into flourishing. We get to do that through sex. It's one of the most powerful things and we hold that power. So are you willing to be naked? Like 
really naked? Are you willing? Because if you are, you are going to contribute to this beauty that comes because we are favored. We are made in the image of God. You guys pray with me? Um, God, uh, we are very inadequate and it's hard to talk about um, what you really want or what you really intend because you're so infinite and you're so big. And so, God, we are so thankful for your grace, the grace that comes uh, when we don't get it right. So thank you, God. God, allow us to play our part, to do our part, uh, to be unashamed, to, to know we're accepted in you. And because of that, to give that to somebody else. We pray this in your name. Amen.